Come on now, come on. Now listen, if the Lord has done anything for you, you ought to be willing to praise him. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, not sit there and think so. <laughs> if you've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, I need to hear you say so. Amen. Come on, say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I've been redeemed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank God for the blood. Without the blood, there would be no remission of sin. So I'm, I'm super excited to, to be here with you today as we continue on with our series, God's Plan for His Church. Have you all been working on that? Have you been working on it? It's not our church, but it's what? His church. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter number three. This is our taking our scripture for this series. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to begin our reading at uh, verse 1. We're going to start at verse number 1, Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 1. And before we jump into our reading, I want to read something to you, uh, because I think it's crucially important that we uh, understand some things as it relates to uh, uh, what God is trying to do through his church, God's plan for his church. I got to keep repeating that because some of y'all think it's your church. And if you think it's your church, then, then you, if God does something different than what you have been accustomed to, you get a little uncomfortable, you get a little antsy. But when you know it's his church and his plan, then whatever he wants to do, then if, as a born-again believer, you will go along with it because you know it's his plan for his church. And I promise you, everything that I'm teaching you, I'm going to show you in Scripture. Can I get a witness? And so now, if you're going to argue with God, you're a fool. I'm going to tell you right now, because you'll never win. God's word and he are one and the same. Can I get a witness? Uh, uh, Francis Chan, uh, in his book, Until Unity, made a statement that I think bears repeating today. Listen to what he says. He says, unity is difficult when all we do is talk. <laughs> Can I say that again? He says, unity is difficult when all that we do is talk. The early church produced the book of Acts. The modern church produced the book of talks. Their leaders died living out the gospel. We made a living by talking about it. He says, the more we bear fruit, the easier unity will be. When we begin to see one another conforming our actions and lifestyles to those of Jesus in the early church will be more prone to unite. He says, it will become a joy and an honor to serve alongside such men and women. They may not come from your denomination or theological background, but you can celebrate as they give glory to Jesus. I repeat that again. That first point says, unity is difficult when all we do is talk. The early church produced the books of Acts. The modern church produced a book of talks. So as your pastoral leader here who's been assigned by God to give you word, my assignment is to make sure that we don't be a church that just talks about it, but we be about it. Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, let's not just talk about it. Let's be about it. Most people are okay with talking about the gospel and what God says in his word, 
But most people aren't willing to do what the word of God says. Something simple, well, I say simple, something that says pray for those who despitefully use you. If I were to poll this audience right now, I would venture to guess that 95% of y'all have never prayed for somebody who despitefully used you. Can I come to this corner over here? But that's what scripture says. It's easy for us to talk about it. But we got to be about it. We got to walk this word out. James says it, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. I shared this, I think it may be on Wednesday night, in a recent Barna report. Divisions in the church ranked shockingly low among a list of major concerns as selected by uh, pastors who were who were polled, and only 12% of pastors uh, listed divisions in the church as, as a major concern. Uh, and the Barna Group did a report said either we mistakenly believe there are no divisions in the church or we don't think them important. Any division in a church means the church is ill. If we are ill, our attention must be on healing. And to heal, we must understand both the symptoms and the treatment. He says, if we don't, if we don't, the Christian church in North America will continue to fade. He says, God will not forever, listen to this very carefully. God will not forever stand idly by waiting for us to overcome division and injustice. I'm going to repeat that again. God will not forever stand idly by waiting for us to overcome division and injustice. We have been given the power of the Holy Spirit to do what what the world cannot do. Listen to me very carefully. That's why we as a body of believers, as a, as, a, as a family of faith, as Christians are coming together to study this, because for too long we depended upon the politicians and, the, and, 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 and local non-government organizations to bring unity to the earthworm, and that's not going to happen through those situations because they don't have the power to do it. They don't have the power to change a man's heart. Listen to this real carefully. It says, We have been given the power of the Holy Spirit to do what the world cannot do. If we won't use it, we will lose it. And God will judge us. Our scripture clearly tell us so. And as our nation and our world shake under the weight of inequality and injustice, the church's time is now. Later will be too late. Everybody say it's our time. It is time for the church to stand up and be the church that God has planned for us to be in the Holy Scripture. Now go with me to Ephesians, the third chapter, and we're going to look at verse number three and start at verse number one. Are y'all ready to rock with me today? I said, are y'all ready to rock with me? When I say rock with me, I don't mean just rocking back and forth. They just sung that song, he's my rock on the solid rock I stand. Jesus Christ is the foundation by which this church shall and will operate. We will not operate based off of your mindset or my mindset. We're going to follow the word of God. Is that fair enough? If I show you in the word, are you willing to follow? Let me come to this side. If I show you in the word of God, are you willing to follow the word? Oh, y'all weak over here. If I show you in the Holy Scripture, are you willing to follow? 
Oh, come on back on this side of here. Because some of y'all got some stuff on this. If I show you in the Holy Scripture, exegete the text, so that you can hermeneutically understand how it applies today, are you willing to follow the Word of God? Yeah. All right, I got, I got two people over here. You know what? I, what I've discovered is there are people who are not willing to follow the Word of God and claim they love God. And I will tell you that something is wrong with your profession if you claim to love God but won't follow his word. Listen to what the text says. Here's the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. Notice what he says. Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. Verse 3 says what? As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. God revealed his mysterious plan to me. Watch Paul walk this out. Verse number 4 says, as you, as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. The title of this message is God's plan for his church. Next verse says what? Let's read. God did not reveal it to previous generations But now, by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. Text says this. Let's keep reading. And this is God's plan. Everybody say God's plan. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promises of blessings because they belong to whom? Christ Jesus. Next verse, let's keep reading. It says, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. What's that good news? What is the good news? The good news is the gospel. The word gospel means good news. All right? And what is the good news that he's sharing here? He's sharing the fact that through Christ Jesus, Jew and Gentile, all ethnicities come together into one body. That's the good news. That's the gospel parlayed out in human flesh. All right, keep reading. Let's go. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. 9 through 11 says what? I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Now, remember, remember we taught you that this was secret in the Old Testament. Under the old covenant, God's plan for the church in his totality was not fully revealed. Are you tracking with me? The apostle Paul, uh, who was saved on the road to Damascus, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, began to share this message about the fact that God's plan all along from eternity to eternity was to bring the ethnicities together into one body. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Keep reading. Let's go. It says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church. God's purpose in all of this was to use what? The church. Everybody say it's his church. To use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, what did I tell you the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places were? What did I tell y'all? Do y'all not remember? Did y'all miss that? 
What are, what, are the, what, what are the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places? Can I get one person to tell me what that is? The angelic beings. Wow, did y'all miss that? The angelic host. He says this, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom. KJV says his manifold wisdom. In all, it, 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 to, to display his wisdom and his rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So what God says, I'm going to use my church to show my manifold wisdom to the angelic host, the evil ones who fell with Satan and the good angels who were still ministering to God. God says, I'm going to use the church in the earth realm. God says, I'm going to show you angelic beings that I can do more with less when less is dependent upon me. And he uses the church to show the angelic host his divine wisdom, his manifold wisdom, as it relates to how God is much, is much wiser than Satan, who got full of pride and was kicked out of heaven. Let's keep reading. Verse 11 says what? This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. He carried it out through Christ Jesus our Lord. The plan which was hidden in Old Testament time, which was to bring Jew and Gentile, Jew and every other ethnicity together into one body, Christ Jesus. That was his plan. Now, you need to get that, guys. You, we, 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 we're, we're going into chapter 4 in our, in our book study, but the scriptures are very clear about what his plan was for the church. And we got to hold on to that. We got to make sure we understand that. But the enemy loves to divide. And as I said before, you got to be careful that the enemy doesn't use you to bring division in the church. The enemy doesn't care what division looks like. He'll use whatever. You know, a lot of times we, we look at it and we think the only division that there is is based off of ethnicity. But I'm here to tell you, division goes far beyond that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Pastor Elijah Tate, y'all know Brother Elijah, who's a great man of God and who's Who's a, who's a member of this body here. He's from Liberia. And in talking to Elijah, he shared some things with me about his, his home country. And Liberia, for those of y'all who do not know, and I did not know this until I started, started talking to him, was Liberia was actually formed as a nation. I believe in my, if my history is correct, it's in July of 1847. And Liberia was a, was a country that was started by freed slaves who came from America and established a country there in Western Africa. Are y'all with me? And so, so in, in Liberia uh, became a nation in 1847. But Liberia back, I think it's from 1999, 1989, or from 89 up to, uh, it may have been to 99, or about an eight, eight or 10 year period there, um, went through a civil war. And you had different ethnic groups fighting. And in particular, uh, as Elijah shared with me, a lot of the people who are, who are native-born Africans don't think too highly of those African slaves or descendants of those African slaves that came from America. And so you had, you, you had in that civil war, uh, you had different ethnicities fighting against each other. But guess, guess what, guys? All of them had the same skin tone. Listen to me every carefully. They all were dark-skinned people slaughtering one another. 
If you study the history of it, well over 200,000 civilians lost their lives in the Civil War, and it wasn't because they were different shades of pigmentation. What are you getting at, Brother Pastor? What I'm telling you is the devil don't give a doggone what kind of way he divides you. If we were all black in here, maybe the light-skinned folks would get the dark-skinned folks, or maybe the folks from South Louisiana get the folks from North Louisiana. He don't care. And you think it's all about skin pigmentation, which we waste a lot of erroneous time on that. But they, they had civil war, and they were fighting against one another, and all of them looked the same on the outside. You go back to the, the war in Bosnia, uh, when that happened, they all looked the same on the outside. Pigmentation was of, of European white looking, but they were killing one another. So the devil don't care what he uses to divide you. He just won't division. But you got to make sure that as a born again believer, as we've been studying this, that you don't get yourself in a position to where you are allowing him to use you to divide. Remember our points of emphasis I gave you. And if we can pop those up right quick, we'll, we'll go over those. The points of emphasis, I want you to keep this in mind as we continue to go through this study. First thing, listen to this. Racial diversity of churches is never to be the end goal. Because you can get a church racially diverse and we can be racially diverse up in here and have no impact out there. And we can be racially diverse up here and still have racism in here. All right, racial diversity of churches is never to be the end goal. What's the end goal? Biblical racial justice, reconciliation, and authentic unity are the end goals. Everybody say authentic unity. Now, it can't be authentic if you're not spirit-minded in Christ's life. Here's the next point I want you to keep in mind as we go through this study. Pursuit of a multi-ethnic church and likewise a multi-ethnic Christian life must be firmly, everybody say firmly, Firmly rooted in God's word. Racism is ultimately what? No, see, listen, listen. All right, come here. Y'all trying to play with me this morning. All right, this is a participatory sermon, okay? You know what a participatory sermon is? It's a call and response. So I'm going to call and I want you to respond, okay? All right, listen to this real carefully. Now, if you sit up here and be in private, that's... I say what I want. You can't tell me what to say. Let's just let your little pride go, okay? I'm trying to illustrate a point here. Listen to this real quick, carefully. All right, racism is ultimately a what? Oh, I didn't hear enough of y'all. Racism is ultimately a what? Racism is ultimately what? It's a spiritual problem. And you cannot solve a spiritual problem with earthly weapons and earthly strategy. It has to be spiritual strategy, and we're seeing God in his word lay it out for us, amen, so very clearly. And, and, and so, so pursuit of a mother of the church and likewise a mother of the Christian life must be firmly rooted in God's word. Racism is ultimately a spiritual problem. And the third point of emphasis I want you to remember is this. Watch this. As history proves time and again, no earthly attempt relying on human effort can truly change the heart. Only God can do this. And we'll do this when we allow the spirit to speak to us. How? All right, well, watch this now. We allow the spirit to speak to us. How? What? I just, I thought it's, we, we're going to change this by talking about what all went on and how we, no, that's not, that's not going to change the thing. Because you can talk and, and it's good to, to share your experiences. But I told you, 
sharing your experiences does not bring transformation. Let me say it again. Sharing your experiences, which is good in this, in this place, does not bring transformation. Listen to it again. We were, it says, only God can do this and will do this when we allow the spirit to speak to us through what? The scripture. All right. So let's get back to my, my three points. I, I, I covered one last week. Take note of three things as it relates to building a multi-ethnic church. Okay. Y'all thought I'm going to ever get to this point, didn't you? Point number one we said on last week is Jesus envisioned the multi-ethnic church for the sake of the gospel on the night before he died. That's in John 17. We talked about unity. Our unity should be a, 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 a testimony. Our unity should be a, a, a tangible, should be tangible evidence of the, 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 of the fact that God sent Jesus to die for our sins on the cross of Calvary and through his death, burial, and resurrection, we can come together in unity and show that God's love for us and for his son is reality. So when the church is divided, it sends a different, different message. That's why God speaks hard, hard against that. The, the second point I want to, uh, uh, to put into your hearing is this. Luke described the multi-ethnic church in action at Antioch as a model for future congregations to follow. Okay? Luke described the multi-ethnic church in action at Antioch as a model for future congregations to follow. Now, guys, I I, want to, we're going to unpack some of that in just a second here. Uh, Go with me to Titus, the third chapter. Because you want to make sure that you are letting the scripture speak to you. Titus chapter number three, and we're going to begin our reading, I believe, at verse number 10. Can we go to Titus chapter number three, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 10. This is, this is one of those curveballs that the Lord gave me this morning while I was studying. As a matter of fact, let's... let's, let's uh, Start at verse number eight. We back up to verse number eight. Here's what I want to make sure, and you got to make sure that first of all, you're going to let the let God speak to you, let the Holy Spirit speak to you out of the Scripture. Okay, so 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 you don't spend time arguing and discussing and pontificating with people about stuff that doesn't line up with God's Word. Listen to what the Scripture says here. Paul writes to Titus. Can y'all read with me? It says what? This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to what? To doing good. These teachings are what? And good, and they are what? Beneficial for everyone. Look at verse number nine. Come on, let's watch this. Look at verse number nine. Do not... Get involved in foolish discussion about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. All right, let's read it again. Come on. Do not 
uh, uh, says, do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigree. In other words, well, I got this, I, 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 I preached this many sermons, and I did this here, and I've been over here, and I've, I've served over here, and I did this, and look at me. Oh, I got, I, I got this title. I got that. Listen, I tell you before, titles don't mean anything in the body of Christ. I mean, let me back up. Titles are good in, in, in their pl- proper place, but when you elevate a title above the word of God, then your title has become your idol. And that's why we de-emphasize titles here in the church. Because it doesn't matter what you do out there, if you're not willing to serve in here, it's all for naught. Okay. So, so it says, do not be in, get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. Look at what he says in verse 10 and 11. Let's read. If people, come on, are causing divisions among you, now watch this. I told you before, what, hold on. I told you before, if you have questions about this study and you're asking questions to get understanding, I am cool with that. But if you are asking questions to sow discord and to go against the scripture, I'm not cool with that. And God is not either. So at some point in time, if you, if you keep asking questions to bring divisions against what God's word says, then, then God is going to deal with you. Look at what he says. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. Look at what the Bible says here. Can y'all read that with me out loud on no purpose? If people are causing divisions among you, he's talking to the church. If people are causing divisions among you, give them a first and a second warning. After that, do what? That's Bible. So now I'm going to tell you, now this, this hadn't been the case in this church by and large. And I know, every, you know, some, here's what I've always said. If you teach biblical truth, error will expose its own self. You don't, error will expose itself if you, speak, if you preach and teach biblical truth. He says, after that, have nothing more to do with them. Now, Paul said this as he's writing to young Timothy's protege. He says, at the first and second warning, because division is a very dangerous thing for the church. Next verse, let's read. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemned them. Did y'all catch that? For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemned them. Go to Romans the 16th chapter with me right quick and look at verse number 17. Romans chapter 16 and verse number 17. All right. So now, all of y'all probably have relatives or either fellow church members that may have questions about what you are studying. And what your job as a believer is, is to take them to the word of God. Your job is not to argue some, some uh, uh, whatever, <laughs> uh, some, some argument about how, how uh, they think it should go. Your, your job is to show them what God's plan is for his church. Are you with me? Don't get suckered into these ancillary discussions. And because Paul just said, Paul told us don't get sucked up into that because they did, all the devil is trying to do is divide the church. And he'll use whatever he can. So you go to the word of God and say, here's what the word of God says. Now watch this. This is Paul again 
talk to the saints in Rome. He says, and now, are you there with me? It's, it's, verse 17 says what? And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. What does he tell you to do? Now, I didn't say that. I didn't make that up. Paul said that. Now, remember, guys, Paul in the book of Romans uh, is, is sharing and he's talking. He's, he's laying a doctrinal foundation for the work of the ministry because now in Romans, Romans is a, is a, is a doctrinally deep book that we all should get understanding out of because he's taking them from a point where they operated under Judaism. And now he's taking them to a point to where they're operating uh, uh, in grace and Christianity. And there were still some who were still trying to hang on to the tenets of Judaism, saying stuff like, if you're going to be saved, you got to be circumcised. If you're going to be saved, you can't eat certain foods. If you're going to be saved, you can't cut your hair. If you're going to be saved, you can't wear pants, women. If you're really going to be saved, you got all these, these man-made things that have been added and, 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 and civilian laws that were, were, were intertwined with, with the workings of the church and the temple. And now they're coming out of that and into the body of Christ. And some were still holding on to that stuff, trying to, to make those who came out of a Gentile background to, to do some of that same stuff that they did when they were under Judaism. So Paul does a yeoman's job of saying, that stuff will cause division. He says, and now I make one more appeal to you, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. What did Paul say you do with those kind of folks? Sit there and argue with them? No, no, no. Because there are some people who, who really don't want to know truth. He says do what? Say it again. Did I make that up? Look at verse number 18. Let's read together. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests by smooth talk and glowing words. They do what? Deceive innocent people. Now watch this. He says by smooth talk, there are some smooth talkers out there. And what they're saying sounds, sounds, well, you know what? That makes sense because they can articulate it. They can wrap it. They can dime it. They can, they can, they can share it in a smooth manner. But what they're saying does not line up with scripture. Okay? It's just by smooth talking, glowing words, they deceive what? Innocent people. Now, now, guys, as we go through this study and you're in your different small groups, we encourage questions. But again, we encourage questions from the standpoint of learning what scripture says. We don't encourage questions for the purpose of dividing you from what scripture is teaching. Okay? So every time those kind of questions come up, slap it down with the word. Where did that come from? Here's what the word of God says on that. Wait, wait, wait. Slap it down with the word of God. That kind of hurt, y'all. Better stop that. He says, by smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. Verse, verse number 19, let's go. It says what? But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent and stay innocent of any what? Wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So he's saying again, if someone is bringing division by going against what is clearly taught in the scripture, he says, stay away from them. First, second warning, he says, stay away from them. Now, I've told you all before, guys, the type pastor I am, I love every last one of you all. But God has called me to shepherd the flock. And that's all I know to do is to follow the word of God. I love you, but if you disagree with the word, you got to take it up with God. Because I'm going to give you what the word says. All right? And you got to be strong enough as a believer when you find out what scripture teaches. Don't sit there and let somebody tell you stuff that goes against what scripture teaches. But I don't want to cause no trouble. We're supposed to stand for truth. Just go to the word of God and speak there to it. I got one more for you. Go to Luke 11, chapter, verse number 17. Listen to what Jesus says here. Luke 11, verse number 17. And then we're going to jump over to Acts. So we said that three things that we should take note of as it relates to building up at the church. We said, number one, Jesus envisioned, envisioned the multi-ethnic church for the sake of the gospel on the night before he died. And then secondly, Luke described the multi-ethnic church in action at Antioch. The place where they were first called Christians was at Antioch. And listen to what Jesus says. As a matter of fact, can we, can we back up a little bit? Um, this is Luke chapter number 11. And I hope y'all are still with me today. Are y'all still tracking with me? Are, are, y'all, are y'all studying the word of God with me? Is this okay with y'all? Look at verse number 14. Go to, go to verse number 14. I need y'all to hear this. One day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. The crowds were what? Amazed. Now watch this. Jesus went around doing good. Jesus went around casting out devils. He went around healing the sick. But he caught a lot of flack from the Pharisaical uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those other folks who had titles. And, and, and were not really pursuing God. They were pursuing their, their, the, the old covenant way of trying to get to God. And God says, I got a new way. It's through my son, Christ. Now, the crowds were made. Next verse says what? Let's come on, let's read. But some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan. The prince of demons. Now, watch what Jesus says here. Listen to this. Others trying to test Jesus, demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. But look at the verse says, the next verse says what? He knew their thoughts, so he said, now listen, let me tell you right, right now, Jesus knows your thoughts. The Bible said, they were not saying this out loud, but the Bible says he knew their thoughts. And I'm here to tell you that God, when you're walking with him and filled with his Holy Spirit, he's given many of y'all the spirit of discernment to where a person may not say what they really mean, but you can discern what they really mean because the Holy Spirit gives you revelation knowledge. Spirit of discernment. He knew their thoughts. So he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is what? Doom. A family splintered by feuding will do what? Will fall apart. Now they were saying he cast out the demons because he had a demon in him. 
by Satan's power. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read it. It says what? You say I am empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? Are y'all listening to me? How can his kingdom survive? Verse number 19, and if I'm empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have said. But I am casting out demons by what? The power of God. Then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For when a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are what? Safe. Listen to what it says. For when a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are what? Safe. When a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, let's bring it to modern day term. When you have your 45 and someone breaks in your house and you send them back out, That's just a little dullology there. But, but in essence, that's what Jesus is saying here. Can I get a witness? For when a strong man like, like Satan is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions uh, are safe. Next verse says what? Well, let's read it. Until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings. Verse 23. Anyone who isn't, watch this, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. This is what Jesus says. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Now watch this, guys. Jesus said this. Anyone who isn't with me, now watch this. If I've shown you anything about God's plan for his church in the Bible that's not true, you come and talk to me about it. But I, I, don't, I, I would dare say if you, if you, if you just, just look at it and read it from the contextual way in which it was written, you cannot say that what we're saying is wrong. Anyone who isn't with me, Jesus says, opposes me. So if you're not with God's plan for his church, which was a multi-ethnic church, then you're actually opposing him. And anyone who isn't working with me, Christian, is actually working against me. So what are you saying, Brother Pastor? I'm saying exactly what that's saying. If you're going through this study and you're fighting what the word of God says, you're actually fighting against Christ Jesus himself. And I wouldn't want to be caught on the wrong side of Jesus. I want to be caught on the wrong side of God. So what, what, what am I saying? You better be careful because God will deal with you. God has given you a word of warning through the past, your pastoral leader but if you fight against what God's word says, then you're fighting against God. And God has more than one way to bring you in line or to move, remove you from fighting against him. Can I get two witnesses out there? Is that what he says? Any, can we read it out loud on purpose? I don't want you to think I'm making this up. Anyone who isn't with me does what? So you can't be neutral. Can I come to this side? You can't be neutral when it comes to Christ Jesus. Either you're going to be on the Lord's side or you're going to be against him. Is that what he just said? Anyone who isn't with me does what? Opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. That's what he said in his word. Go to 1 John 2 and 9, last one. 
And then we're going to Acts 11. I got I to get through. First John, glory to God. I can't help it when the Holy Spirit keeps giving me this stuff, y'all. Now, y'all, 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 y'all going to tell me to stop talking to me? And I don't know. I don't know exactly why he, he had me go this direction today, but 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 some of y'all may know. Because maybe you, you maybe you was trying to be neutral in all this. And God says that if you if you're not with me, you're opposing me. Okay. Look at what the text says here. If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer. That person is still living in darkness. Can y'all read that with me again? Come on, let's read it. If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Now, light means that you have a born-again experience. Darkness means that you have not had a born-again experience. And what he's saying, can I bring it to modern-day terms? If you hate somebody or because they're of a different ethnicity, then you don't really know God. Can we read it out loud on purpose? If anyone claims I am living in the light, I'm walking in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still what? Living in darkness. Okay. I'm going to let that settle right there. So now you got to think about your own self. Now again, I know people go, listen, listen, when I start this series, I know each one of y'all came to this series with different experiences. And sometimes you have to, you have to work out those feelings and those stuff that's on the inside of you. But, but what I'm talking about here is somebody who, who is indignant and somebody who is, who, who won't follow truth of the scripture. It's one thing if you tell me you're struggling with something. It's another thing if you just downright disobedient to what the word of God says, then God, God said, you know, you're still in darkness. Okay. Go to Acts the fifth, Acts the 11 chapter one right quick. Acts 11 verse 19 through 26. Luke described the mother at the church in action at Antioch as a model for future congregation. Acts chapter number 11. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 19. Everybody say God's plan for his church. All right. He has a plan for his church. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in line with God's plan. Now, guys, as I teach this, understand something. What I believe God is doing in this ministry is what I, he wants to see happen in a lot of ministries, particularly when, when you ha- when you living in an ethnically diverse uh, environment because he's, he wants to use our unity and our uh, working together in love to show the world how to do what's right. If you think the world's going to get it first, then you're mistaken. Now, again, I'm not saying that they're not measures that we should be getting involved in that are outside the, 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 the purview of the church, but it has to start with the church. Are you with me? Because it's ultimately a spiritual problem. If you start with the natural, then ultimately man's heart is not changed and man will, will flow right back to where his heart is. Are y'all tracking with me? That's why this, this race problem hasn't been solved out of all these years. You think the church has been in America, the church should have had impact, but because the church has been silent for a number of years on this issue and have not dealt with it and have not fully understood that part of God's plan was to bring us together into one body, to be a testimony to the outside world that God's love for mankind is real. 
And I told you on last Sunday, the church can't, the world can't see the universal church, but they can see the local church. And when they see the local church, they don't see unity. Don't see us working together. Look at what the text says here. Acts chapter number 11. And begin our reading at verse number 19. Are y'all still tracking with me? All right. Some of y'all don't like Bible teaching, I can tell. Because what I'm doing is I'm messing with some of your, your, your isms, your little idiosyncrasies, your little ways of thinking, and how your family taught you, and what so-and-so said. But what I'm challenging you to do as a born-again believer is to go with what God said. I don't care how many degrees that person has. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, they're wrong. And, and after the first and second warning, what did Paul say? Don't have anything to do with them. I didn't make that up. Well, isn't that mean, Pastor? No, that's what the what word of God said. Because people like that are dangerous when they sow discord amongst the brethren. The Bible is very clear. All time, I could give you several other scriptures that talks about what you do with people who sow discord in the church. Okay? All right. So y'all, do y'all still love the word? Do you still love your pastor? I, I, need, I, need, I need to feel some, some of y'all, I feel a little coolness in this house. I'm just being facetious, okay? Because whether it's cool or not, y'all, y'all will know me by now. How many of y'all been here past 20 years? You've been here more than 20 years. You, you know what I'm going to do, right? I'm going preach to preach the, preach the word of God. I'm going to love you even when you're mad at me. Because if, you, if you're going to go with Jesus and, and, and do what the early church did, you got to have some thick skin. Because everybody's not going to like you. Oh, they mad. So what? Okay, show. I challenge you to show me what I'm teaching is wrong. And I'm, I'm, I'm willing to learn. But you can't come to me with your thoughts and your opinion and can't back it up with word. God's plan for his church. EBC is not our church. It's his church. And when it's his church, when you come in here, you, you come to worship him. You don't come to worship the people who are preaching and are singing. That's why if, if, the, if, the, if, the, if the music may be off a little bit on Sunday, and, and, you know, and sometimes because we're imperfect, we don't get it right all the time. But, but it's, it's not, it's not it's, it, even if it's not perfect, say for instance, give you an illustration. When we did our uh, deal uh, with Durham Great at night, we had some complications that took place. And many of y'all didn't even know this. Uh, uh, Brother Pat, uh, who helps us with our live stream, our, our sound guy, he and Brother Robert Reynolds and Junior Boy put this screen up, and, and we're going to be utilizing this even more so in the coming weeks uh, for video and, and that type of thing. But they, they put this thing up. But Brother Pat had a heart attack and was not able to be here like he had planned. James St. Romain, our other sound guy, was, he, 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 he works in civilian capacity with the military. He was out of town. And we had one guy who was uh, DeMarcion, who was trying to finagle all that, and when we normally had two boards to mix the sound, and now we had one, and all that, all that on the back end, none of y'all knew about, but some of y'all, were, Ooh, that, that, the guitar, all you heard was guitar stringing. <laughs> and now, see, you didn't know what all went on behind the scene, and now you're being critical of the song, because by and large, our praise team does a good job, good voices. Can I get an amen out there? Now, if you hadn't been to a church where the music is bad, 
you can't appreciate good. But I've been there when it's been bad at churches, and, and, and we say, bless their heart. When in actuality, we ought to give God our very best. And giving God our very best may mean that some people may not be in this, this part of it, but it's about giving him our very best. But those things were going on behind the scenes. But if all you were concerned about is what you got, you would have disregarded praising God. Because I don't care if it's all key. If I'm praising God, it don't matter what it, it does matter. But it doesn't really matter to me because I'm praising God. But y'all didn't know what was going on behind the scene. So you were critical of the night, not even knowing that my main guy had a heart attack. We were praying for him to get well, okay? And, and God healed him. He had to go through surgery, but he's here. And Saint was out of town, and Paul DeMarcion up there just working, <laughs> trying to get the thing right. And we couldn't get it right. We said, well, we just do the best we can there because we knew we had just had church that Sunday night. They had, they, they they took us to church Sunday night during practice, but the devil got in the middle of it. Guess why he did it? He's trying to disrupt this study. He's trying to take your eyes off of what God is trying to do in building the multi-ethnic church. But it's not about you. It's about him. And you, once you get past that, then you, you're going you're gonna to be okay with God and you'll be able to move with it because it's not all... Listen, there are times God asks me to do stuff that I really don't want to do. I'll be honest with you. Are any of y'all in that boat? There's some time God, God has me say stuff, and I'm like, God, you really want me to say that? You know, I'm, I'm kind of a shy guy when it, when it was all said and done. But you called me to do this. You really want me to say that and say it that way? God says, say it. You know what I do? I just say it, Bobby. And I, and, and, and I figure you love me. I hope y'all love me enough to know that I love you. And I, I want to speak true because I want to see all of us do well as it relates to fathering God's plan for his church. His church. It's not our church. It's his church. And as soon as you get past the fact that it's not your church, you're going to be willing to do whatever God wants you to do for his church. <laughs> Watch this, guys. So Luke described the multi-ethnic church. I got to go through this real quick. Come on. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. Now watch this. Watch this. Come on, let's go. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. It says, the power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and did what? And they turned to the Lord. Let's keep reading, guys. Text says what? When the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Text says what? Uh, when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man. Come on full of the Holy Ghost and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believer was first called Christians. Okay? They were first called Christians. Go to Acts 13, verse 1 with me right quick. 
God's plan for his church. Luke described the multi-ethnic church in action at Antioch. The verse, verse number one says, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas. Simeon called the black man. Everybody say he's the black man. They ain't just say he was the black man. <laughs> he was the black man. That's what it says. That's in the NLT. You can look it up in the KJV too, but it says, among the prophets and teachers of the, of the church at Antioch at Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, and Lucius from Cyrene, Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod, Antipas, and Saul. Now, now, one day as these, it says, okay, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. Right? Okay? To which I called them. The text says in verse number three, so after more fasting and prayer, maybe you're not hearing from God because you ain't doing enough fasting and praying. Maybe you don't have a spirit of discernment because you don't spend time in prayer and fasting. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. This multi-ethnic leadership team began to go forth and share the gospel uh, throughout the region. Look at verse 4 for good measure. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the what? Word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistants. Okay? And they went throughout the region sharing the message with the gospel. So Luke described the multi-ethnic church in action. Third point, and we're going to close it out on this. Paul prescribed the multi-ethnic church in order to advance a credible witness of God's love for all people. Let's read it out loud. It says, Paul prescribed the multi-ethnic church in order to advance a credible witness of God's love for all people. A credible witness. See, it's one thing for us to say, all are welcome. And you know what most people say when they say all are welcome? What they really mean is all are welcome as long as you assimilate and be just like us when you get here. That's what they really, that's what, that's what most people mean when they say all are welcome to our church. You're welcome to our church, but uh, if you expect us to do anything different, you better go back out. And if you, if, if you, you know, there's a difference between assimilation and accommodation. See, most people will say you can come as long as you assimilate. Now, again, let me say this, and I said this on last week, and I'm saying this because I, here's what I believe. I believe that God has graced us, and like many other churches, but he's graced this church to be a model and example of, of what it means to come together among ethnic lines. I told you, it's, it's not so highly unusual to see blacks go join a white church. Remember those little chocolate chips I told you about? Little chips. But here's why we got to deal with folks' hearts. People are okay with the little chocolate chips and there are a few here and there. But as Durbin says, when it becomes a swirl, you know what a swirl is? That means you're all intertwined. Then it, it, it tends to become a problem. And that's why, why is it a problem? I keep repeating, I, I share with you what the guy told me. 
And, and, and he was telling the truth. I discovered people don't like to talk truth. I said, if, if that 40% growth was all African-Americans, what would happen to your church? He said, people would start to leave. I said, why? If you don't deal with that why, you, don't, you won't deal with the heart of man. And that why can be reversed too. It's not so unusual to see blacks go there, but it's, it is highly unusual in this area, guys, to see a, a, a Caucasian brother sister leave a predominantly Caucasian church and come join a church that lives by the African-American. Name, name, name me... Name me three or four of them in Shreveport, Bojo, where that's happening. I'm not talking about one or two. I'm saying in, 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 if you get 10, 15, or 20 at one time. Name me one. You can tell me afterwards. I'm not telling you to do it now. But I will submit to you that, that there's probably few and far in between. Because somewhere in the back of our minds, we, we think that that's unusual. Why is it unusual? It shouldn't be if we understand God's plan for his church. And I believe God is doing it that way here to, to, to shine the spotlight on his plan for his church. And he says, I want you guys to get it right. But I told you, just like Dr. King says, with those who are marching, we still have to go through a self-purification process because some of us have some stuff on the inside of us that we didn't even know was there until we started studying this. And then you start talking. And then you start letting your... Um, your experiences override the word of God. And now because you had, listen, tell me how much sense this makes. Why are you going to judge somebody else based off of what somebody else did to you 10 years ago? And you don't even know this person over here. You don't even know Charles. You don't even know Yvonne. But now because somebody looked like Yvonne did something to you, now you're going to go against everybody that looked like Yvonne or everybody looked like Tony, everybody looked like Keisha, everybody that looked like Scott, everybody looked like Dan. And now you come against them because of what somebody else did and you don't even know the person. Can I talk to you up in here? Let me tell you something. That is wrong. Well, I don't, I don't trust black people. Well, let me tell you something. Black people say the same thing about black people. <laughs> now, I know y'all don't like to hear it this way, but I got to say it like I'm saying it. Because you know I'm telling the truth. And there are white people that don't trust white people. And Asian people that don't trust Asian people. And Hispanic people that don't... So what I would tell you is, as I hurry to a close, <laughs> those who grew up in the Baptist church will know what that means. <laughs> so what I would tell you is, as a born-again, Bible-reading, Bible-following believer, you should, you should deal with people on a personal level and not based on what their ethnicity is. Can I get five amens up in here? And when you do that and you don't do that, then you're outside of the will of God. Go to Ephesians 2 and 11 and we got to wrap this up. Y'all still with me? Did I run anybody off? Will you come back next week? Will y'all come back next week? Okay. I I still love y'all. I promise you I do. I promise you I do. And sometimes you need to hear this word. Now, now if, don't, don't get offended 
by me talking plain to you. Because here's what I discovered. A lot of us could, would be further along if people just told us the truth. If that suit ugly on you, I can free you by telling you it's ugly. Rather than letting you go out there and everybody make fun of you, and, you, and every time you pass, you pass they go, <laughs> you're like, what are they doing? I'm telling you, that don't fit you right. Your hips, your hips ain't made for that. I am just joking. Okay. Lighten up a little bit, okay? But no, you do, but, but no, I, I'm, I'm kind of halfway joking, but if you're in a relationship with somebody, tell them the truth. They may be thinking they're looking good. Okay. All right, listen to me. Y'all, y'all, y'all being silly now, okay? Listen to what Paul says. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their heart. You got baptized, and that's all you did was got baptized. Went down, the dry devil came up a wet devil. <laughs> we're proud of their circumcision, and even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Look at what the text says. It says, uh, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Next verse says what? Come on, let's go. It says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God. Bless God, I'm not. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Text says, what, what, what does it say? Come on. It says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united what? Jews and Gentiles into what? One people. We all are one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Guys, we all came from the same mom and daddy, Adam and Eve. We all from one blood came all men into the earth. The wall of hostility was what? Y'all know what that, y'all studied that the other, other, other Wednesday about those different walls, separating walls in the Jewish temple, right? Y'all remember that? Verse 15, right quick. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating, watch this, and I'm stopping on this. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles. Now, either you were a Jew or a Gentile. Up until the church. Now there are three ethnicities. Jew, Gentile, and the church. He says he did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. So Paul prescribed the multi-ethnic church in order to advance a credible witness of God's love for all people. Prescribed means to, to set down as a rule, as a law or a direction. Pursuit of a multi-ethnic church and a multi-ethnic Christian life must be rooted in God's word, nothing more and nothing less. Again, racism is ultimately a spiritual problem. 
And only God can deal with spiritual problems. Okay. Now what I'm going to do, uh, we're going to keep pulling on this and we're going we're gonna to go into some practical things that we as a church body can, can continue to do. And what the first thing we want to do is, is to get us to be doctrinally sound on this issue. I don't need you going out talking about what, what, what your Democratic Party and your Republican Party said about this. I don't give a flip about that. Did y'all hear me? I want to know what the word of God says about it. Because Democrats and Republicans can't even come together and, and agree on whether or not water is wet. I want to know what the word of God says. Jesus died to give us eternal life. And he died to bring us into the two into one. Amen. Every head bowed, everybody closed. Father, we thank you.